The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery podcast. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. We're basically a couple of recovery nerds and ordained unity ministers sharing our experience, strength, and hope on this spiritual journey of addiction recovery. We hope that something you hear today will be helpful to you in your own recovery journey. We invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. Just send an email to spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. Facebook users, you can message us from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. However you choose to reach out to us, please be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. Today's episode is called Courage to Change. It takes courage and integrity to walk an addiction recovery path. If we persist, we will come to know ourselves as the spiritual beings that we truly are. But first, we must trek through the wreckage of our past. In order to move into the light, we must face our shadow. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding a path through the shadow to the light. Yes. Wow. Where to begin? Uh, you know, I, I feel like the whole recovery program, in addition to many other types of spiritual journeys, is really about self-awareness. It's really... so. So before I came to recovery, I was out to lunch, like in terms of awareness of myself, Um, partly because I was young, partly because I didn't have any of this work under my belt or, and also partly because um, to be aware of myself was too painful. So I had learned from an early age to not be aware of myself, to check out. So a big part of this journey for me, and this is like fully still in progress, you know, this is like 27 years in, I'm still very much engaged in this process of becoming more aware of myself. (laughs) That's how much, that's how much stuff I had in the way of, of that, you know, that I just have had to peel away layers and layers and layers. Um, If you're like me, there was a lot of shame, um, you know, and I'm talking about shame in the psychological sense that they talk about shame, you know, it's not something that you walk around going, oh, I feel ashamed. It's just, I've described it as sort of just this dark cloud always hovering over me, making me feel bad about myself all the time. 
And of course, in Unity, we talk about uncovering error thoughts, right? Those really core, for me, it's really about those core beliefs. So I had these core beliefs. They're still there a little bit um, that, you know, about myself, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not, no one's ever going to love me. I'm not lovable. I'm not enough, yada, yada. And that when, when, when our core beliefs about ourselves are those negative ones, that creates a shame-based person, right? So I was a shame-based person. I was operating out of some really deep um, error beliefs about myself. So it's been a process of uncovering that. And you, you would think that it would just, you know, you just look at it and go, oh, well, this is what it is. But it's taken years. You know, I, I think of recovery also as layers, peeling away layers and layers. It's like all this crap that has been layered on top of who I truly am. Um, and, and so I'm constantly peeling away layers and layers to get at what's underneath and find out what is there that is driving me, that is causing me problems that made me drink, that made me behave in certain ways that basically, you know, the root of all of my problems. And so um, that's what I think of when I think of the fourth step. I don't think of the fourth step as being a one and done by any means. It has, it's, it has been a lifelong path of self-awareness, self-discovery and, and uncovering so that I can, and we'll get into that more later, but so that I can begin to get rid of those things or heal yeah. them is a much better way to say, I don't want to say get rid of, begin to heal them and transform them. Yeah, almost become, I don't know, I sort of want to say become friends with, certainly begin yeah. with becoming aware of, and then comfortable with maybe in an uncomfortable way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then integrating, you know, we're kind of in a sense, we're really, right. we are reintegrating lost parts of ourselves. Parts of ourselves. And yeah, I mean, yes. and we are talking about step four, because in the 12 step program, step four is the place where we really are purposely facing, uh, you know, what we might call our shadow side, these pieces yes. of ourself that are, that are hidden or shameful or whatever. And as you shared, I, you know, again, really identify with what you're saying. And I'm guessing that a lot of our listeners do as well. And what I uh, am learning, have learned is that I didn't know any better. Right. I, I mean, when you only know one way of something, it, it, it never, it wasn't until I've been in recovery long enough to have different experiences that I begin to get some perspective and go, wow, I really have been depressed. Wow, I really do have a lot of yeah. negative self-talk. I didn't know that. I didn't no. know that. And yeah. so it's a, pro it's a recovery is a process of discovery, in yeah. a sense, rediscovery. You know, as we look at um, or are in a sense forced to, I want to say forced to because we choose to, but it, sometimes it feels like I'm being forced to. I acknowledge I am choosing this recovery path. You know, as I've heard it said, recovery is not for those who need it. It's for those who want it. So I want it and I choose it. But yes. sometimes it feels difficult and sometimes I can get whiny and still feel oh, of like, course. you know, why do I have to do the blah, blah, blah? Well, because I because I'm choosing to do this. That's why. Yes. And like, okay, all right. Or or one of my favorite complaints is I didn't sign up for this. And then like one second later, the smarter part of my brain goes, Yes, you did. Yes, this you is did. Exactly what you signed up for. I'm like, okay, fine. 
I still don't like but it. But we weren't shown the fine print. <laughs> fine print? Who reads the fine print? I'm like, yeah, 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 it'll be fine. And then, oh, I have to do this? Yeah. But, you know, we're talking about sort of moving through our shadow or processing that, becoming reacquainted with it. Healing it is a great yes. word. Yeah. I think. And my experience of living in the shadows when I think about that is that I was generally a very private person now that's still my default setting right it's almost like we all have default settings but we as we learn and grow we get of our you know you you have more choice about it i don't always have to be super private even if being generally private person is my default i have mm -hmm. choices now i can show up in different ways before that was the only way i knew how to show up was yeah. as a, a private person and because of that I didn't really have the skills to share what was going on with me because I didn't practice it because I never did that because it didn't work out for me. Apparently it was better for mm -hmm. me to be quiet. Yeah. Like, I can't say something wrong if I don't say anything at all. I can't get in trouble for something that I'm saying or thinking or feeling or expressing if I don't express anything. Mm -hmm. While that is a true statement, as you can well imagine, and perhaps right. experience it is a tremendous downside. It's like, well, yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. But, you know, when I'm going to sit here in the corner and not, not engage the world, basically, right. yeah, that was my answer. I'm only going to engage the world in ways that I feel safe. And oh, by the way, alcohol makes me feel okay about everything. So there's my solution. I don't need to develop any communication skills. I have you know, I have tequila. What do I need right. communication skills for? <laughs> I feel better already. Anyway, when I think about, you know, living in the shadow, what does that mean? If we're going to heal our shadow, what is it that I'm coming out of? And again, I've been at this a, a few 24 hours and it's a process, right? It's not a one and done. It's ongoing oh. and it's fine. You know, it, it's fine. That, that was something I learned along the way fairly early i think meaning in the first year or two or maybe even by the first year i kind of realized you know what this is just kind of how this is and then maybe a little while later this is kind of how this is and i'm okay with that yeah it took a yeah. little while to get to the I'm, I'm pretty much okay with it now but it has taken some time um to get to it and it, it is it is a journey we call it a recovery journey yeah. and you hear things like it's not about the destination it's about the journey that's absolutely yeah. true and it's a joyful journey in mm -hmm. general because yes. of even the hard parts are are releasing something or as we say in unity release that which no longer serves me mm -hmm. that can be hard and painful work but when I release it, man, I just feel lighter, literally almost like angels mm -hmm. can fly because they take themselves lightly. That's yeah. one of my favorite uh, GK Chesterton quotes. And I know that experience of letting go of something is like, oh, I almost, almost literally feel like I'm physically lighter. Something. Is, yep. I know that's not true, but it feels that way. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of my other favorite sayings in recovery, and there are so many, is, um, more will be revealed. And I was thinking that uh, we were talking about having signed up for this, but not having read the fine print. And I was thinking there's a reason why we don't read the fine print. You know, we don't need to know everything at the beginning. We don't need to know everything about what is 
you know, if if we knew some of the things that were coming down the pike, we probably wouldn't have signed up. But the thing is, is we don't need to know it at the beginning and more will be revealed. And that's just the beautiful way that God works or the universe works and this recovery program works is that we're sort of let in on the secrets on a need to know basis. You know, God works that way on a need to know basis. Our higher self, on, you know, allows us to it reveals to us just what actually, let me put it this way, reveals to us just a little bit more than we're currently comfortable with, <laughs> you know, always sort of prodding us forward. But um, no, you can't reveal everything at the very beginning. Um, it, you know, it that's why this is appealing a way of layers, um, a deepening, ever deepening more and more sort of process. Um, so yeah, so we don't need to know it all at the beginning, more will be revealed and we will have revealed to us what we need to, you know, I've never had to, <laughs> I've never in recovery had to ask what I should work on next <laughs> ever, ever, you know, God just rolls out the curriculum. It just keeps coming one lesson after another, you know, it's like, here's your next marching orders. I don't ever have to wonder. It just you know, I've just, I've never, I can't remember ever sitting there going, hmm, what thing about myself should I work on now? No, if you're engaged in life, you know, each next thing, each next layer that you are ready to heal will be revealed to you. In fact, I believe that as it's revealed to us is the universe, God, our higher self saying, this is what's ready to be healed next. This is, that's why I say, this is your next assignment, next assignment. So it's a process. And, and I love how you talked about um, befriending these sort of, um, okay, so in the program, we call them character defects. Uh, we also talked about them as being sort of shadow elements, the things we have shame about, the things we write down on our fourth step. Um, not being at war with these things, not being like, oh, these things are so horrible. Look at all these horrible things I did. I mean, there's an owning of it process. Absolutely. We have to own the things that have occurred and make amends when necessary. But I like this idea of befriending our, um, our shadow elements or befriending our defects. And it makes me think of this, uh, one of these big speakers way back in the day when we used to get, um, we used to get recordings of you know, well-known speakers on cassette tapes. I'm, I'm sure now they have them on, I don't know, MP3 or whatever. I'm old. It used to come on cassette tapes. I used to listen to them in my car on the way to work. And I think it was Peggy M. She'd been sober for like 30 some years. And she talked about the fourth step. And she talked about coming to see, so, so you're, you're writing these things down. You're taking this inventory of yourself and I don't remember the details of how she came to this, but she had a turning point where she started to see these things as she called them her grubs. Like when you turn over a big rock and underneath are all these grubs. And so she said, that's like what we're doing. We're lifting up the rock and underneath are all these grubs. But she started to see them as rather than being hateful things to hate about herself or get rid of or eradicate. She started going, these are my grubs. These are mine. These are my things. You know what I mean? This is a full inventory of myself. Good, bad, ugly, all of it. All of these things make up who I am. You know, we're not just the sum total of everything wonderful about ourselves. Wouldn't that be nice? 
you know, we're complex people that are full of our defects, all of the things we have been through, all of them make up who we are, and they've brought us to where we are now. So when I was doing my fourth step, I had a similar experience. There was a shift that happened where I suddenly went, oh, these are my grubs. This is my stuff. This is me. This is the stuff I have been through and lived through and survived and am now working on overcoming. And so there was a, an owning of those things um, that I think is sort of what you're talking about, like befriending. And I think that's so important. Um, and, and that's how we get to that next step, which is integrating those things, which is where the real healing comes. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. I love that phrase you use, at war. We are not at war with these parts of ourselves that we're discovering as we do our growth right. work. I, I just, when you said that, I realized how incredibly important that is because as we say and know, anything we resist persists, yes. right? And one way of looking at Jesus' teachings is that they are teachings uh, substantially of non-resistance, and non-resistance is uh, a way forward that works, right? Because anything we're pushing back on, we're, we're actively giving it energy, even right. though it feels like, no, I'm, I'm trying to make it go away. Well, you're, when I'm trying to make something go away, I'm engaged in it. I'm feeding it. I'm, I'm part of the dance. It's like, why won't this dance stop? Because I, I won't stop dancing, right? right? It takes two. And if I stop, if I don't resist anymore, now maybe something can be different. Yeah. And then I also thought about <clears throat> acceptance. This is another way of saying non-resistance is another way of talking about acceptance. Turn over the rock. Oh, right. These are, these are the things. This is my work right here. This is the stuff that is part of me that is now I'm now seeing. And this is what needs my attention. My These attention. are the things that I can work through. Like you said, it's, you know, the curriculum is never, um, never a mystery, at least for not very, not for very long. It, um, it comes back. I think when I think about courage to change, we talked a little bit about courage to change. And what does that look like? And I love our program acronyms. And one of them is how, like, how does this mm -hmm. work? And in each of those letters stands for a principle, honest, open-minded and willing that's kind of like a recipe or or a formula or something for you know moving ahead how am i going to do this well you're i'm going to do this by becoming honest open-minded and willing and they're not all you know disconnected i need to be willing to be honest right for starters so that's one way that willingness kind of shows up first open-minded just simply meaning um the, my, my, the image that comes to mind is going to a 12-step meeting and just not assessing what everybody says, 
you know, mm-hmm. there's a part of my brain that instantly wants kind of wants to assess what mm-hmm. everyone says. Oh, that's not true. Oh, that was well put. Oh my God, yeah. this again. Oh, I, I don't, I wish they yeah. would stop talking. Oh, I, I like it when she talks. Oh, I, yeah. I, I like it when he talks. I don't like it when he talks, you know, all this, who cares? You know, it's just not, I mean, seriously, who, there's nothing to do with anything. All I'm doing is throwing up noise in my own head. That's true. Yeah. It's preventing me from really hearing what's going on. Yeah. And so being open-minded one, one way that I, cause you know, I like practical steps. We talk right. in unity about practical Christianity. All the ideas are nice, but give me some, what, so what am I going to do? That's one yeah. reason that the 12 step spiritual program is so wonderful is because it's full of practical steps and memory aids and principles and, you know, guides, signposts, if you will, along the way. Well, one of the practical steps for being open-minded is can I simply hear what is being said? And, and if I can't stop assessing it, can I at least notice that I am assessing it? Because mm-hmm. that that's a way to begin. Even if I feel like, oh gosh, that guy, oh yay, it's her. You know, even if that's happening, I can watch that happen in myself and say, yeah, I really am on my own made-up roller coaster here with my own idea. I mean, I can't tell you how much it used to drive me crazy um, in the in a room in my first year. So when it was time for seventh tradition, you know, we're coming near the end of the meeting, we're going to pass the basket for seventh tradition. I, I knew the most efficient path through the room for that basket. People are just handing it wherever. I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? It's like driving and traveling, like wake up. No, it goes down this row and it should go up this. You people, I can't even hear. I'm going to leave. You know, <laughs> in my head, I'm just having this total yeah. freak out because I know how it should be going. And these people have no idea what they're doing. Oh my God, they're driving me crazy. What a yeah. drama. Where, yeah. Where, where is this drama? It's in my head. Oh, yes. Who wrote this drama? I did. <laughs> Who are the actors in this little drama? I am. Me. I play all the parts. And then, of course, all the roles I've assigned to all of you people. You have right, a part in right, it right. too. I'm yeah. the author and the director and the lead. Yeah. And how ridiculous is that? So, you know, that's something that over time I, I could learn to see and go, oh, okay, really? Really? Do I really need to be doing this? Maybe I could yeah. just do something different right now instead of obsessed with the way that the basket's being passed around and how it's not how it's incorrect i mean obviously it's incorrect according to me anyway so so you you talked about that um i loved how you said that this this is just noise that your mind is throwing up right and um and i'm thinking about like the more noise our mind throws up around some issue the more that is indicating that there's something there that needs to be healed, right? It's one of these really irritating facts of recovery and growth and healing. It's like one of, you know, one of the more irritating uh, sayings we have is, you know, when I'm pointing at someone, yeah, there's four fingers pointing back at me. Irritating because it's so freaking true, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and trust me, I don't, want to realize this half the time but sometimes I do realize it that when I am when my brain is being noisiest when I am being most reactive um, when I'm getting most upset about something 
it's an indication to me that there's something being triggered in me, not only that needs to be healed, but that is ready to be healed. Because if it weren't ready to be healed, it wouldn't be coming up. Exactly. So this is what I mean when I talk about the universe handing us our next assignment. It's like, if I'm getting real upset about what someone else is doing, there's a good chance that as I'm pointing at them, those four fingers are pointing back at something in me that is just clamoring to be attentioned, to be presenced, to be um, acknowledged. So, you know, our shadow elements, these things about ourselves that we don't like, these um, character defects, somewhere along the line in childhood, mostly, we decided that these things were unacceptable about ourselves. And so we pushed them down, right? We repressed them is the psychological terminology. We repressed them. And when things get repressed, they don't want to be repressed. They want to come up, right? And so they're like little noisy children that are like screaming, see me, see me. You know, I remember a teacher saying in like second grade that this kid in our class that was always acting out that he was wanting attention, right? He wanted attention. Well, that's how our character defects are. They want our attention. And so when they're being noisy, that's a clue to us that I sometimes heed and a lot of times don't, um, that something is needing our attention. And um, by attention, I mean what we began talking about earlier, that this, this element of myself that's repressed, this character defect that I have, these bad feelings about myself, they need to be brought out of the shadow and into the light. They need to be acknowledged. I need to see them. And then I need to love them. It sounds crazy, right? Um, I can't remember. There's some story about a crying baby and I, I don't remember who told it, but it's like, pick up the crying baby, hold the crying baby. So this is a part of ourself that is hurt, that is frozen in early childhood, that, you know, that someone told us was not acceptable about us and we believed it. And so we pushed it down. So we're excavating these things in ourselves and bringing them up into the light and saying, yeah, okay, this isn't my favorite thing about myself, but I know it has, there's a reason why it's there. It's not there because I'm a bad person. You know, it got formed at some point and now it's this crying baby. Do I want to keep hearing this crying baby or do I want to pick up and hold the baby and love it and forgive myself and, you know, acknowledge that this is part of me and this, I've only been learning this stuff in the past few years, but it's like the next level of healing these things you know, and, and, and the fourth step starts us out on that process because it forces us to start looking at these things and enumerating them. And then of course, the process of sharing them with someone is also very healing, but really the most important one we have to share it with is ourselves. You know, we're talking about the courage to change and I'm, I'm realizing that, um, and I'm going to go back to what you said before, we're not at war with these mm -mm. things. It's, I think it would be easy to get the impression, maybe even is still in, in, in the 12 step uh, context that, that these are defects, like they're yeah. permanent, yeah. you know, like I'm missing something. And, and I would encourage us all to recognize that, yeah, we might be off track with these things, but we can, they can be healed and we can get back. We don't have to remain selfish. You know, mm -hmm. we don't have to be dishonest if we've been dishonest in the past. These things 
can be healed. And the courage to change is to look at those and, and to realize, like you're saying, we're not at war with these, because if I am at war with them, nothing's going to change. They'll go back um, deeper. They're entrenched. And as the master teacher said, you know, we, we don't make enemies out of these things. And as the master teacher said, you love your enemies. Yes. That's the way forward. Whoa, that what a what a upside down subversive teaching. Yeah. It almost doesn't love your enemies is an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's self-contradictory. Mm -hmm. But what happens if we actually do that? What if we did what the master teacher said to do? Love your enemies. Well, how does that, what does that look like? What does that mean? How would I do that? Find out, you know, start trying. Start with your grubs. Don't make an enemy out of your shadow pieces that are coming up, that are becoming evident. Um, love them instead. Love Pick them. up the crying baby. What a wonderful example just you know don't make don't make up the crying baby an enemy love no. the crying don't baby. shame it further right and when we when we love our air quote enemies what happens is they're no longer it's impossible to love an enemy so yes. if love is enforced then it's no longer an enemy right that's the entire point of the teaching i'm 100 mm -hmm. convinced yeah. that that's the way we undermine these you know this dysfunction in ourselves is by refusing to view it as an enemy and instead embrace it as an opportunity that might be just the simplest way to voice it instead of saying you know um you know i wh why do i always do this view it as an opportunity oh look here's my work this is what's in front of me that means mm -hmm. this is what is mine to do now i wonder what is a different way that i could look at this yeah. And that's where the power of the group comes in. Because if I talk to enough people about it, I am going to hear different ways of looking. Have you ever thought about this? Have you tried this? Yeah. Well, I remember feeling that way and I tried this and it helped me. So if that makes sense to you, you could try it too if you want to. You know, all yeah. that, all that kind of thing. Well, yeah. it is time for recovery in a nutshell. Already? Yes, already recovery in wow. a nutshell. This is where we summarize the pieces of this topic that we have found most helpful in our recovering journey, some of which, of course, we've talked about. Maybe we'll realize new ones as we share. But the way we do this is we put Reverend Michelle on the spot. And say, <laughs> Michelle, in a nutshell, uh, how can I get out of this quagmire of addiction and create a life worth living? A, a one, and here's the key, one that is easier and less burdensome. How can I mm -hmm. do that? What are the tools? Oh my goodness. Well, um, I would say just be engaged in the process. You know, that we don't have to figure out how to change. You're talking about courage to change. Yeah. We don't have to figure out how to change. All we have to do is do this process and we will change by doing this process. So wherever you are in the recovery process, you know, hopefully working with a sponsor or a trusted um, minister or advisor of some sort, you know, do the deal, just do the process, do the step work. You know, we're talking about step four. This is this uncovering these things about ourselves that are hidden so that they can be brought into the light, love them, hold that crying baby. And, um, and you don't have to figure out how to change because that process will change you. It will change you profoundly. Um, so it's just stay engaged. Don't step off the path, you know, just keep at it and the change will occur. And, and just remembering that one day at a time.
this stuff doesn't happen overnight. You and I have both, both been doing this for a pretty long time and we're still fully engaged in the process. So it's just, just doing what is in front of you and the rest will work itself out. Yes, I love it. Stay engaged. And then I'm thinking it gets better. It really does get mm -hmm. better. It gets way, way, way better. Yes, it does. We talk about don't quit before the miracle. Often that miracle is the craving for the behavior or the substance, alcohol in my, in my case. Don't quit before the miracle. What's the miracle? That the craving for alcohol goes away. And it did. But that was mm -hmm. just the first miracle. In yeah. fact, it might not be the first. It was the first big miracle. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The capital M miracle. So my answer is, you know, how how does this work? Uh, take a deep breath. Okay, relax for a minute. Just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Find other people who are in the same boat. That's easy. That means go go get online and find the meetings in the area and start going there, yeah. whether you like it or not. You know, just go. Just keep showing up. Suit up and and show up one day at a time, find others on the same path and listen to them. And then I'm gonna go back to how, honest, open-minded and willing. Just look for those opportunities. Am I, how could I be more honest? Am I being honest? Am I being open-minded? What does that even mean? What's going on in my head? How am I assessing this instead of really listening? Am I willing to be different in any way? If you just kind of keep in those, keep those questions open in mind, when I'm able to keep those questions open in mind, then uh, as you said, change just happens. I don't need yes. to be the architect of it. I nope. just have to show up That's and right. follow the directions. Yes, and as we move into our affirmation, um, I just want to remind folks, because this slipped my mind, that the most important part of this whole thing is the relationship with the higher power. That's Absolutely. what gives us the strength that sustains us, that gives us the courage to, to face these things, to engage in this process, because we have found the unconditional love of the higher power that is always walking this path with us. So along those lines, our affirmation today says this, with my higher power on board, I have the courage to change. Yeah, and thank you for pointing that out. Almost goes without saying that's, yeah. that's, that's true for everything that we do and say in recovery, in my view. With my higher power on board, I have the courage to change. Well, deep breath, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another episode of Spirit of Recovery, and we are grateful. We hope you found something in all of our bumbling today that you find genuinely helpful. We bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. Yes, we do. And as always, we invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. You can find us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, or you can email us at spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. We are so glad you joined us today, and we hope you'll join us again. But until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, do not drink like my co-host. <laughs> Instead, have yourself a wonderful week. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. 
My name is Nadia De La Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.